are listening to Soundtrack to My Life with your host, Carol McNamara. And this week, I am absolutely delighted to be joined uh, by my guest, Paul Bogler. How are you, Paul? Hi, Carol. How are you? Well, Go- I'm, I'm good. <laughs> good. You're good. It's it's a it's a lovely summer's evening. I you're it, I, we, we've taken you from silage, I think, and uh, <laughs> Prepar- preparing for it. Yeah, getting yeah, ready yeah, for yeah. that. Is that the bigger deal? As big a deal as it used to be? Not as kind of I suppose not as involved. It, it took a lot of people years ago or a generation ago yeah, to come and the help. Whole and, 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 yeah. and it went on for days yeah. as well. Now it's kind of in and out really quickly and keep out of their way. It's and women, women took a week off work oh and had God, to bake. And the, the, my mother used to always talk about that, the cooking. The, it started <laughs> out at lunchtime and then there was dinner and then there was tea at 11 o'clock at night and that could be three, four days in a row. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it was it exhausting. Was, it was a huge job. It was a huge job. <laughs> okay, do they get a breakfast row from somewhere now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, go, they, they haven't time. They don't stop to. No, they no, rarely stop to eat now. It's move on, move on, move quickly. Absolutely. So how many days does it take then? Oh, it's, it's only a matter of hours now. All right. What used to take days is only hours at this stage. Yeah, okay. It's only hours. So, to the musical choices that have uh, to provide the soundtrack to your life. And I suppose, uh, starting at the beginning, um, where are you from? For, for the listeners, for the three <laughs> listeners who don't know where you're from. Yeah, well, I'm Carly, I'm Kilvatira, Mount Shannon, County Clare, mm, <laughs> up yes. in the mountains, as yeah. we can look out here when we come out of this building um, yeah. up there. Very rural. Um, very much Mount Shannon, because well, between Mount Shannon and, and your Scar- generations there, generations, yeah, at this stage, yeah, we generations. Dad's side. My dad's side, the Buglers, we've been there. We actually had visitors last week, the classic American visitors who arrived on the scene. The, um, my grandfather's brother had immigrated to America in 1904, and his grandson, who was 70 years of age now, um, just retired, arrived back for a visit to the yes. homestead. And we were down in my know looking at the graves, and the, and the graves that are there. Uh, my great great grandfather would be Thomas Bugler. 1815 is when he oh, was wow. born. Yeah. I think. If you trace it right back, you go back down to Seamus in Bow River. I think that's where we started out from. So you're the opposite of blow-ins. We're always blow-ins. You see, <laughs> you know, everybody ultimately is a blow-in. You your, know? Your, your mother blew in, though, didn't she? She did. She from came from Lys up in, in yes. Car, up in Mahara. Yes. Um, she came down here in 1968. Yes. Um, married my father in 68. Yeah. Um, I was born in 69. Yeah. Um, so she moved down to Kilvatira. Um, very similar type of an area, yeah. Lys um, in Mahara, but very unique in its own way as well. Yes. Extremely unique. Yeah. Yeah. in its own way as yeah, well. for sure. Yeah. Now, musical influences. Was there music in your house? I'm sorry to say <laughs> there was no, no music in no, our house. You, no, you no, can't be there sorry. There was no yeah. music in our house um, until my grand-aunt bestowed upon us a record player about 1977, yes. an old Pi record player. And she sent that down from Kilcormack in County Offaly. That was my yes. mother's aunt, Molly. And... The record that a big deal to get the That was a massive player. thing. We were seven, eight years of age, so it was a massive thing for us to have okay. music finally in the house. Sure. So um, would you have listened to radio programmes where music would have been on? Not particularly. Um, Kieran McMahon, maybe on the, kind of the Saturday night. More the spoken word, yeah. yeah. Uh, ours, I suppose, as you all know, was a very kind of, I suppose, a political type uh, yes, of house. So busy too. There was a lot of, yeah, it was a busy house. So there was a lot of kind of the news and, yes. and current affairs programmes. Not a lot of music. Did any records come with that record player from Kilcormack? <laughs> 
that's exactly what happened. The records came as well. Um, not from my own great musical taste, even as a seven or eight year old, but there were My Fair Lady, um, Dubliners records, yes. South Pacific, a oh few gosh, kind the, of um, the that's musicals. Yeah, I think every house yeah. had it. But yeah. there was one record then that was in that that actually had because it was a slight tinge of modernity to it in nineteen seventy seven. There'll be the new seekers. I oh. think they um repre- did they represent England in the UK, in the, UK, in the, UK, in the Eurovision at some yes. stage, maybe in the mid seventies. So that was the only slightly modern, like I say, everything else was musicals and Dubliners records. That's what I can remember of Do it. Do you remember your first record that you bought then? I can remember my first records. I certainly can. Music was a huge thing. Um, I suppose when we were in school, even as early as national school, music was a huge thing. Yeah. Um, it's not, I, I noticed that even my own kids now, they're not as defined as much by music um, as what I think we were. But I do remember my first records, my first singles were Ant Rap by Adam and the Ants All right. and Joan of Arc by Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Oh, right. Those were two singles that I bought in Golden Discs in Limerick and came yeah. home with those to play them. To switch the little button on the record player from 33 to 45 and to play your single and did you then. did you play the B-sides? I can't remember what the B-sides were now, but I would have because you had yeah. so little. You, got, you had yeah, so little yeah. music. that. But those were the, two, the first two singles. Yeah. They were the first two singles. Why did you... Tell us about your first musical choice then. Uh, to move on then from that, the first album then I suppose... Mm the next big move and um, the first album I bought was um, Pelican West by Haircut 100 people might remember them from the 80s I suppose where I bought that album was probably as as important as anything else we had been we were in national school Um, I had been taught for the first six years of my national school up to third class by the late Pac Harn mm-hmm. uh, and Pac was you know coming to the end of his career at that point in time so and he was from the old school he was a fabulous Pac and Mrs Harn the two teacher school rural school 50 students um, that's the way it ran um, he was a fabulous teacher but he was seriously you know of, of an era and the era was changing you know corporal punishment was going out and that yes. type of thing was all changing the curriculum was changing so then in 1979 Pac retired and Jim Collins Yes. A stranger that we don't know anything about. Yes. He arrived as a young teacher out to Mount Shannon Inish Calter National School. So my final three years were under the tutelage of Jim Collins as our principal. Okay. And what he did, which was like, this is like something from Mars to us. He had just come from Cabin Teeley in Dublin and he arranged these um, hurling trips for the last two years of our school life to go to his old school in Cabin Teeley and to stay for the weekend and to play hurling matches. Wow, that must that have been a culture. A culture shock. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was, it was extraordinary. I really remember that trip on the train up uh, with Timmy Dooley, Park Minogue, yes. Patrick Turner, you know, all the people, all the people from around Mount Shannon. Um, it was just such a, just something that we couldn't envisage actually happening. Yes. <laughs> and we did that. And I always remember being in, Golden Discs again in a shopping centre in Dunleary and buying this album um, Pelican West by Haircut 100 in the summer of 1982 or the early part of the summer in 1982 when um, we were up in the east coast of Ireland as far away from the hills of Kilwatira as you could be very sophisticated playing hurling as under 12 year olds in the suburbs of County Dublin wow. Cabin Teeley Wow Well that's a, that's a fairly unique start now to <laughs> yeah, so that, Well I can remember that's where my first album yeah. was purchased so I had to carry it carefully home yes. um, in the train to get down and home with that uh, And did you, did you have you picked this one because it's your favourite on that album? Yeah I like this song It's a song that I think has actually stood the test of yes, time quite yeah, well You yeah. know a lot of 1980s music you know kind of um, yeah. is better left in the 1980s yes, yeah. um, But this actually um, the song um, the production of the song and everything I think it stands up quite well and the song is Fantastic Day Fantastic Day by Haircut 100 Fantastic Day let's hear that Fantastic Day 
thought I think that has actually <laughs> stood the test of time and uh, I certainly enjoyed the um, hearing Haircut 100 singing yeah. um, f- Fantastic Day. Fantastic Day, So, yeah. from there onwards, how does your musical <laughs> yeah, choices... So, I'm, I'm at 12 years of age now at this stage. <laughs> back from Dublin, <laughs> my weekend away. <laughs> Very sophisticated. So, where did I go from there? I suppose at that point, you have to think, you're, you're, you're transitioning, or you're moving, I guess, you're moving from national school to secondary school. So you're moving from a kind of a small two-teacher school into yes. a kind of what was then at the very early stages of the, the new community college, 450, approximately 500 students, you know, from Bodike, from over as far as Tulla, down as far as Six Mile Bridge, Fecal, Killinane, Scarif, Whitegate, Mount Shannon. You know, mm. you a big mix of people there. And that was fabulous. I really enjoyed that. But again, music was a huge part of that, most definitely. You walked in there in, we'll say, September 1982. And I don't know if you remember, or some people remember, at that time, people were very much identified with big band patches oh, yes. on, on their yes, denim jackets sure. yeah, or on their yeah, army yeah. jackets. And the big thing at that time was heavy metal music. Mm-hmm. You know, there was it was ACDC, Iron Maiden, mm-hmm. uh, Motorhead. You know, that would be your kind of your, and then you have the badges, all the little pin badges, maybe mm-hmm. down the front for a whole lot of different bands. I never warmed to the heavy metal. I never yeah. really warmed at all to the heavy metal. But I kind of, um, I don't know, for what reason, I suppose, at the time, madness and that ska kind of revival, okay. two-tone thing started to kind of happen. Yeah. And we were getting that through in our in the radio. If you were listening to Mark Cagney late at night, or if you were listening to any of the radio yeah. shows on Two FM, so I just found that interesting. Madness were from Camden Town. Yes, that's Camden Town in yeah, London. That's I right. Spent yeah, a lot of time <laughs> in Camden, Camden Town, and it kind of did they come about in the kind of mid seventies to late seventies? Yeah, they would have been mid seventies. Yeah, so at the same time as punk was on the rise. Yes, Scar that's right. Was, yeah, was, was it was getting, starting to come as well. People were starting to look at us those alternative music. There was a massive influence yeah. of kind of West Indian music. Okay, yeah. Um, Jamaicans especially and that kind of influenced well, his ska music that's yeah. where it comes from and then the two tone maybe the little variation of that but using those huge influences and that ska music then or that um, yeah the, the Jamaican ska music had a huge influence on the likes of the punk especially with the clash yes, you know, they yeah. had a massive influence um, with West Indian music so it um, it definitely influenced a lot of music and we started to kind of hear that over here then as well. And I just took a liking. Yeah. I took a liking to that kind of madness, nutty boy, uh, two tone kind of type thinking, of thing. So I'm thinking of the guys with the with the with the heavy metal yeah. um, insignia on them. And like, were you? Did you have your own cool gang then that liked? I mean, I just want you to maybe show you were in some kind of a club here with the scar music. No, were you on your own, or did a lot of people? No, like no, it? everybody. Everybody liked madness, and I think, but nobody was. I did. I did have the, I did have a, a, a patch on my back on right on a Wrangler jacket. Yes. I think I was the only one though. <laughs> I think heavy metal and um, heavy metal was by far and away the kind of the, the biggest um, yeah. genre in East Clare. Um, it's probably in the hard to 80s. pick a madness song, is it? Not really. No. I think it's actually <laughs> really. There was an album. I suppose it's a kind of a compilation in a lot of ways. One step beyond and madness would have been the two kind of formative albums. Yeah. But um, complete madness was an album that came out sometime in the early eighties and it had a lot of stuff on it, and it was a lovely. Um, fold out album with this kind of um, smorgs board of photographs yeah. and little memorabilia in the centre which I just found you know if you sat down on the sofa at yeah. night listening to music you could kind of spend a good hour going through all those little kind of set lists or photographs or polaroids or badges just photographed onto the well, double album yeah. but there was a song on that album um, which I think kind of is it's the basis of the whole thing which also is a song that I really love and it's um, called The Prince 
and it's about it was written by Lee Thompson who was who was in the band and it's about I suppose a very influential Jamaican music musician who just died only a couple of years ago actually um, Prince Buster um, who brought a lot of kind of ska oh, music yeah. across? I saw him on Jules Holland. Yeah, that's where yeah, you, yeah, 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 yeah. He 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 had been hugely him, yeah. yeah he had been hugely influential in the sixties. Had stepped mm. back totally, yes. and then a bit of a revival at the end of his life again. Um, when the whole ska thing started to kind of maybe people started to take a look at it again and kind of say, yeah, this was seriously influential. This music or yes. this this country produced a lot of influential music. Music. So I think what Madness were doing is brilliant. You know, that was one of the, that, that song Madness. Madness they call it madness yeah. if this is madness da, 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 da. that's actually a Prince Buster song and that was I think one of their first singles or their first album as well One Step Beyond I think which is a song that a lot of people would know about madness that's a Prince Buster song as well so um, yeah I just I can remember this album playing it almost to, to wearing it out um, every night in the sitting room yes. <laughs> with, 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 with the Have you seen them Paul? Have you ever seen them? I have never seen Madness No, no I've never seen I'd Madness I'd love to have and seen they've, them they've, you know, I have this thing I don't go back to the, uh, there's a lot of kind of, a lot of and there's a lot of stuff this year even you can see a lot of the gigs that are mm. happening at the big ones about kind of people um, that might have been really good or not, they're, they're still really good but they might have been at their peak in the 80s or the 70s or perhaps even the 60s and still touring or still putting it out there, and I, 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 I just can't. I, I find that I find it difficult to go there, yeah. so to speak. And sometimes I think if you've played an album that much, you've played the, the songs that much, you like you, you know when the when the old days where the stylus would jump, yeah. And you actually yes. have a com- there's a comfort in that version of the song. Yeah. And if you go and hear it sometimes live, it doesn't sound the same. Yeah, there's kind of truth in that. There you can know. be truth in that. And maybe one of the artists I talk about later. Um, That's the most definite aspect of his performance, most definitely. But yeah, that would be... So we might play Prince... Prince Buster Buster. um, by Madness. Madness. Buster, he sold the heat With a rock steady beat An earthquake is erupting But not in Orange Street A ghost dance is preparing You got to help us with your feet The madness of madness That was was great Um, A... a, 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 um, a sound engineer who's who's involved with the programme has whispered into my ear and said that they are actually very, very good live and he's seen them before yeah. and they're excellent. He may even see them again. So, moving on now, we've got Bob Dylan coming mm. up. Yeah. Tell us about Robert Zimmerman yeah. and how you <laughs> got attracted towards yeah, this Yeah, oh God, how could you not, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, when or how does it happen? Um, again, like in my record collection, for some reason, at some stage along the line, bringing it all back home, um, I, I, I purchased that. Never, didn't properly listen to it though, at the time. Was that your first uh, Dylan album? That was the first Dylan album. Yeah. yeah, first Dylan album. Then I went to Dublin in 1987, went to college in Dublin. And it was a fabulous time for um, live music in Dublin at the time. You had McGonigal's in um, just off Grafton Street, mm. you had this SFX Hall, which is now apartments down yes. in um, Gerrard Street. That was a great venue. Oh, it, was, it was like a big parochial hall on mm. steroids. It yeah, was beautiful. Yeah. In, the, in, the, in the north inner city, yeah. it was like a hall that you for find in, music, in, yeah. in Tulla or, or, or somewhere. You know, it, was, mm. it was great. It was just a 
lovely I just love the SFX it was sort of like Nirvana do some name dropping here now yes. I, I saw some great bands wedding present in, in the SFX mm. but then there was another venue that I really enjoyed and it was the Olympia and it was a specific concert that was held every Friday night in the Olympia it was Midnight at the Olympia it was called mm. and one of the kind of um, linchpin acts at Midnight at the Olympia were the Fla Cowboys oh yes Pete Cummins or um, Pete uh, 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 Frankie Lane and Pete Cummins yes, were, were the two, yeah, yeah. Were the two uh, and Paul Kelly on fiddle as well. Mm. And they were this kind of, oh, what would you call it, kind of a country band mm. with a lot of Dylan influence. And they started playing a lot of music kind of late at night in the Olympia. And that's what kind of reintroduced or kind of... You got me, exposed to a lot I, of the, I got the songs. Ex- I got exposed to these Dylan songs, which mm. I had been kind of vaguely aware of. Yes. And hadn't really kind of listened to properly, even though I had, we'll say that brilliant, which, which I regard, I'd regard as one of my favourite albums now, yeah. bringing it all back home. Um, so through the Flag Cowboys, I mean, their own writer, a great, a great yes. band, a brilliant band, um, kind of got reintroduced to Bob Dylan and started going back and looking over Bob Dylan. And my God, wow. <laughs> and that was like 1990. And that journey or that, that, that investigation or that, looking at Bob Dylan continues on to this day you know if you can go to yes. it a couple of years ago but you know um, he's releasing of albums all the time um, so I suppose you go back to the very start bring it all back home like I said yeah that's my favourite album no doubt no doubt mm-hmm. about it but if I was to pick a track and that's what I'm doing here with this I would pick um, Tangled Up in Blue um, from Blood on the Tracks I think it's 1975 isn't that album was I just think it's a fascinating song I love mm-hmm. that lyrical ability of Dylan to tell this story you know whether it's the hurricane or whether it's um, Thunder on the Mountain it's or, yeah, you know, he just, it's a, but he creates this story and even yeah. if you listen to this one the lyrics yeah. and this you know there's kind of there's he, he, time is all over the place. It's yeah. kind of the past, it's the present, it's the future, all yeah. wrapped up in the same verses. It's extraordinary. Yes. And if you look at, I don't know, if you, his chronicles, his, his kind of autobiography, he kind of gives maybe a little, as much as he does, he doesn't give much insight no, into himself at all. He's not, he doesn't like to be kind of pigeonholed as Bob Dylan, the whatever. Mm. He doesn't like that at all. But there's a beautiful thing with Martin Scorsese. He did a film of him there. I don't know if you ever saw that. No, I haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah, it's really good. And he's just coming out of a diner. Yeah. in the States yeah. and he just spots the menu and it's just like hot dogs burgers but he creates this riff yeah. out of the menu in front of him as you do if you're Bob as you do if you're Bob <laughs> but his ability um, yeah. I, would, you know, I know there's a school of thought that says he shouldn't have got the Nobel Prize for Literature I would firmly say he absolutely should have got the Nobel Prize yeah. for Literature he's yeah. phenomenal he's, I think he, he, he really is yeah. Tangled Up in Blue Tangled Up in yeah. Blue But me, I'm still on the road ahead for another joint. We always did feel the same. We just saw it from a different point of view. up in blue. And that, of course, was Nobel uh, Prize winner <laughs> Bob Dylan, and with that great "Tangled Up in Blue." And Paul, I'd say you enjoyed listening to that again. Yeah, I love that song. I just, yeah. uh, it's just, it's the, it's the, it's the narrative of it. It's the story. Yeah. Um, I love the story of it. You know, the kind of the, the, the meeting up with the woman and having to split up then and going back again and things not being quite as good when you go back to where it is that you actually were. 
Okay. Book of poems coming down by an Italian poet in the 15th century. Oh, they're just yeah. the lyrics. I just Bob Dylan's lyrics are just extraordinary. I know. They're just That's extraordinary. Right. Yeah. And any song you can pick them from, they're just phenomenal. So, so where to next? Where to next? <laughs> I think we'll take a trip to the N17. <laughs> you can go straight <laughs> Tell away. Us right. Tell yeah. us right. Tell us right. The Saw Doctors, um, I suppose. I just, of its time as well, and even subsequently now, lately, people looking back at it again, there was a famous kind of version of this done a couple of years ago there by... Um um, uh, Sorry, the, 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 yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that, that woman on one of the, oh, I forgot Sorry. her name myself as well. Should have had research, but no, it, it's but it's it's of its time when it was released first. And I just think myself, I'm not going to be overstating this, but I think it's it's as important a song as um, Sean O'Reilly's Misha Era or Ono yeah. Carol and Concerto. Yeah. I think it's just it's encapsulates so much huge of Ireland social history Absolutely. of that time of immigration I think it is of the of the, 80s. Of, of the youth and youth immigration. Um, just that's all there was you yeah. know you, you, you did your leaving cert like I did it in 1987 okay third level education was starting to open up a little bit then so you had third you had the option of third level but the third level just meant you were postponing things for four years really you know and you'd be yes. going then at that point in time and really I think 80 was it about eight, from about 86 to about 90 was the height of the, yeah. if you, of in, the immigration in, in Dublin at those weekends all those years from 86 the queues yeah. outside the American embassy for green cards for Morrison please <laughs> You we did went, it yourself. We you went did it yourself. ADH, yeah. It was just mm. uh, every Saturday you had all these people from East Clare, from West Clare, people yeah. that you knew were up in Dublin. They might be staying with you for overnight because they were going to have to be out to Ballsbridge early in the morning. Yeah. And you had a lottery effect then to see could you get a visa. And that was it. When we did our leaving cert in 87, you know, um, huge amount of our class would have um, emigrated to London and to America. London especially, I suppose. Yes, a lot yeah. of people went to London in the late 80s. And I think just the Saw Doctors just captured really, really well um, that sense of having yeah. to leave. And and I just remembered it's Tolu McKay, is her name. Tolu, Tolu that's, McKay. The, that's the girl who did She did an ex- It just showed you the depth of and the I song. And I heard her interviewed. She was on with... Um, with the Saw Doctors talking about this on a show one night. And what she said was, you know, when when she sings, and when the old fella took me to Shannon, Shannon. you know, <laughs> yeah. she said, you know, she's, I think she's Nigerian or she's, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, like, it's just the same. It's such a universal, universal thing. leaving home, yeah, you know. It is. But, but it's, it just it, that, went through the ages. That particular lyric or that particular line really strikes a chord with us as children of the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Anybody here in East Clare who was travelling to Knock, and we all travelled annually, you know that turning Clare go all yes. the way when you go on to the N17. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a resonant, um, it's, it's a resonant one. It's not quite the same thing with the tune bypass now, is <laughs> it? I suppose. I haven't been, up, I haven't been in Knock for oh, a long but it was just the lyric the song I just think it means so much but I, again through experience and from hearing other people the way they toured in the early 90s uh, the Saw Doctors they really did represent Ireland so well um, right around the world I had a cousin living up in Aberdeen at the time and the Saw Doctors played and he said it was phenomenal the night that they played and he said they spoke with the drummer afterwards he was the guy that won the um, the lottery <laughs> he yes. retired from music yes. but he said his hands were bleeding they gave it absolutely oh, yes. everything. And yeah. they were doing that night in, night out. Aberdeen, yeah. Bristol, Birmingham, and up New York. Pennies. And Kenny's, wherever it was. I saw it in Sligo <laughs> myself. They were doing yeah. only a few, you know, I just think their contribution, Davy Carton, Leo Moore and yeah. the rest of that band, I think it's, it's, you know, we might have kind of kind of smirked a bit at it or some people might have at times, but I just think they capture a certain Irishness 
Yes, yes. <laughs> so well in yeah. a lot of their songs, yeah. but this one, N17, most especially. Let's, let's, let's give it But the beautiful thing with this, and I think which I always like about this, not necessarily about the song, by 1997, just 10 years later, a lot of the people that had to go, you know, were able to come back to Ireland. I yes. always think that was really good. You yeah, know, that yeah. A lot of the, my friends that had to leave in 87, things started to look up a little bit. This was, the, you know, people that went in the 50s or the 40s never came home. Yes. But our generation have been relatively lucky. A lot of us, a lot of people have been able to come home. So it's good to have this song all the time yes, to remind us. sure. Tales for, for the emigrant, and mm. certainly as a as an emigrant that left several times, yeah. came back several times. I, I just I just love them. Yeah. So anyway, that's the Saw Doctors, and your next choice is another Irish band. Yeah, I'm kind of getting stuck here now in the <laughs> early nineties. Uh, kind of it's very hard to get out of it. But um, I, I think it was a very formative time, though, as well. Um, notwithstanding the the earlier days um, with the record player at home, but uh, there was such a change in music right through the late eighties, early nineties. Um, the Manchester scene, I suppose, arrived, mm-hmm. the kind of dance music and Acid House and all that type of thing. But so it was one kind of constant we had uh, followed right through um, would have been U2 as an Irish band, right through from the late 70s, right through the 80s. And so we all kind of were very engaged. Were you, I was going to say, were, do, were you engaged very early with U2? I would say by the time you kind of got to war, kind of 83, 84, mm. you started to engage. The Unforgettable Fire as an album in 84, I thought was a brilliant album. I know we all had that with Dave Fanning's Top 50 every year. Bad was at the top of that. Mm. That was a phenomenal album. You know, people remember it. It was recorded, I think, in Slane Castle in Henry Montcharles' place there. Um, Daniel Lang what I think was the producer and it started this investigation into America into this kind of love mm-hmm. affair between you two and America and looking at all the culture there whether it was Martin Luther King or whatever it actually was um, so we were very much aware my first concert actually if we could have said it was 1985 to see you two in the old Croke Park um, oh. that was you two the alarm squeeze REM Hold on the one, t- on yeah, the one on night. The one, no, yeah, 1985, June. I think I just finished my junior or intercert and we yeah. got to go and see um, U2 in Croke Park in 1985. That would have been kind of war, um, uh, the unforgettable fire. And then, of course, you had this kind of rock's hottest ticket by 1987 with the Joshua Tree. I just got a bit... <sighs> and were there concerts at that stage, at, at, that, at those earlier stages, were, were they as, as spectacular then as they went on to be? No, no, oh, no. It was there just, was it was Belt and Braces. Okay. Yeah. Belt and Braces, mm-hmm. rock and roll. That was it. Michael Stipe on the night from R.E.M. actually did yeah. the whole concert with his back 
to the audience. He was mm. kind of suffered from shocking nerves. <laughs> they were very early in their incarnation, in, in oh, their yeah, in their yeah. in their career. REM. Um, no, oh no, no, nothing, nothing yeah. like the um, nothing like the kind of um, Zoo TV tour that kind of stuff. Later, yeah. really rock and roll belt and braces. A year later, then we saw them in um, Self Aid. Mm. In, um, in in that was a kind of a concert that was generated to try live and create after jobs. live a year about jobs. That's right. Mm. That's right. Bono was a, now Bono at this point was becoming was a fearless. Big, no, that was up in um, the RDS in oh, Dublin yeah. in May nineteen. 1986. Yeah. I remember that at that concert because my father actually suffered a heart attack that weekend when oh I was gosh. at the concert as a teenager. So I came home to that, that yes, the, um, at yeah. the weekend that he had had a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, so that was a kind of a, a defining part of our family, I suppose, in the yeah. 80s. But Bono was starting to, at that time, I think, kind of become that kind of irritating Bono, if you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so he was starting to annoy us a little bit. And then, they, of course, they had the Joshua Tree, I think, 87, maybe, or around that time, which yeah. made them into a rock's hottest ticket. And they had the preparation work they had done in America really paid off with the Joshua Tree. Like, and they became this amazing world band. I didn't particularly mm. like your, that. Is this your favourite U2 song? What, no, first of all, what, what song have you yeah, chosen? Yeah, then, I, I, would, I would move on then to 1991. You had gone through then with the Joshua mm. Tree, then you got to Rattling Home and they were getting really kind of, very kind of, um, just kind of derivative of this American thing with B.B. King. It just didn't mm. feel fresh. It felt, oh God, this is ridiculous. You 2 were disappearing up mm. their own backsides, that kind of a thing, you know. Mm. So I was really getting sick of them. And then I remember travelling down from um, Dublin with my cousin um, on the N7 this time <laughs> and Actung Baby had just been um, released and he had it as a CD even <laughs> he had a CD player in his car and he had it as a CD and he just put it on and he said we listen to this and I wasn't aware that much of what was going on I knew there was a new album I wasn't and this thing started I said what the hell is that Zoo, Zoo Station I think is the first song I said what Oh, this isn't so I started looking at the album cover again like the Madness one in the 80s and there's this all this beautiful artwork again um, on the front of that all these little pictures one of them I think was Adam Clayton naked actually mm. and there was a, a Trabant or there was a tra- Trabant cars there was pictures of those they'd all been done up and there was a lovely picture of a kind of grimy fingers with two rings you and two and just like this and this you could hear this music the mm. Zoo Station I said, this is extraordinary. This is just a total change. What's this? Play this on. So we listened to the whole album all the way down the N7 and we're just blown away that this band could have so reinvented themselves mm-hmm. and so changed their sound um, from the kind of real um, indulgent um, rattling home phase. And in two years then, they created this. And um, I just thought it was a brilliant album. I would also, um, uh, even better than the real thing is the song I picked. It's the second song on the album. But U2 would be important as well. My brother, my late brother, would have been a big U2 fan. Coming at it from... Uh, he was only a say he wasn't aware of Hatung Baby in, in 1991. He was only seven years old. But later yes, in life, yes, he became a serious U2 fan with memorabilia and collecting yes, records and everything yeah. like that as well. So from the sheer knocking you out and the ability to recreate yourself musically, mm. um, I would have to play um, something from U2 and specifically something from Actung Baby. Yes. Now they went back again to me <laughs> by the time you got to, by the time you got to, they got, they the got annoying again. Up, they got annoying <laughs> again. They tend to go like that, especially Bono tends to go like that. But purely on Actung Baby is a very, I think it's a phenomenal album and even better than The Real Thing is a phenomenal song on that album. Okay, let's hear it.
And that was you too, Paul. And that was, I, I've forgotten how many we've played already, so I can't Ooh. say that's the... <laughs> Fifth, anyway, is fifth, fifth, fourth, yeah. fifth, fifth choice. And uh, now, this is like um, something from the Leaving Cert. I'm going to pose this to you, which is Ooh. Manic Street Preachers, Religious Cult or Popular Welsh Band? <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> popular Welsh Band. Yeah, we go with the Popular Welsh Band. Uh, why, yeah. why have you gone for them? Yeah, again, an album, a specific album, I suppose, um, Everything Must Go in 1995. We're slightly getting out of the 90s. Sorry, we're moving out. There was an album that was produced and it was just, again, it was kind of these knock you out albums. Like they had had a lot of music beforehand. Yes, they didn't just come out. No, no, no. no. There was three, four albums, including the Holy Bible, which was released on the same day as Guns and Roses. And um, so it was a really, it was a very kind of heavy metal. I got into the heavy metal maybe at this stage. It was really kind of heavy kind of music. But then they had a lot of um, trouble then as a band. Um, One of their members disappeared off a bridge in kind of one of these bridges between... um, 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 England and Wales. Very strong musically. One of the best drummers, I think, one of the most underrated drummers, you might hear this in some of the music, Sean Moore in the background of this band as well. Um, a really strong, powerful sound um, delivered with a lot of kind of politics in it as well, oh, which kind of really? appeals to me. And some, and some. Well, this album came out in 95, having just lost their member the year before, um, Richie Edwards. Um, and they, was just, they were down to a three-piece. They continued on, they released the album, they toured the album, and um, it was just phenomenal, the, the, the music that was in this. And kind of the, the references then as well were really good. You know, there was um, kind of a song called Kevin Carter, which was a kind of, he was a, um, a, a photographer from South Africa, one of those famous Pulitzer Prize winning photographs. Oh, of yes. a, do you remember there was a child in one of those South Sudan famines with a kind of a, a, a buzzard in the background? There was a child yes. kind of hunched down, one of those famous, anyway, yeah. there was a story there behind him and his life as well and there was loads of that kind of stuff in their songs and in the lyrics um, which I just found really really good as well a real political edge to this band all the time which kind mm. of interested me and even subsequent to this they did a About lot of work British politics well, British politics um, the Spanish Civil War yeah, you know, history yeah. all this kind of thing um, so uh, this particular album just it's just one of those albums that kind of took a hold of you in the mid 90s wore it out on a tape in my first car which only had a tape recorder on the yeah. car that type of thing just constantly playing it time after time after time. Saw them again then in Dublin a couple of times. Uh, back again at the Olympia by one of the best gigs I was ever at um, in 1997. Still touring this album. And and they left a place then on the stage for that member of the band that had had, oh. had, had unfortunately disappeared and they could never officially declare him dead for years either. Oh, you know, it was obviously yeah, a suicide. Yeah. He had a lot mm. of issues. But um, so it was just a really honest band. I think that just kind of worked really, really hard and, um, and tried came, to it came out in a memorable year of 95. 95? <laughs> <laughs> later in 95. Got to go back to Croke Park <laughs> yes, since 85. <laughs> oh no, we had been there in 92 with, with yes. the footballers and, yeah, the, yeah. and the junior hurlers. Um, so it was just an album that just kind of um, clicked with me and it just went on and on. I just kind of And, which, and which song from that album? I would say A Design for Life, probably from, um, again, the, 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 the orchestration actually as well, kind of how they kind mm. of managed to meld rock music with a kind of a, an orchestral kind of thing is kind of when it's done well that can be really really good and I think they really achieve it with that and this let's play that
I really enjoyed that, Paul. And I for- I actually didn't know that I knew that song so well. Yeah. And the orchestration, it's absolutely yeah, fabulous, yeah. isn't it? The, the serious, the, 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 like I said, the exceptional musicians. Um, but then it, it lends itself very well to yeah. kind of orchestration yeah. as well. And that orchestra worked really, really well with that. But I've heard that, like I said, I've heard that played live without the orchestral. Okay, uh, yeah. And it just works just as well. well and I'm that's a sign of a really good band, strong band. Now, yeah, I really like that. Yeah. Okay, so we're really changing tack now yeah. with your next <laughs> choice. Yeah. And why? Yeah. yeah, this is, I, well, whilst it isn't moving forward, it's possibly mm-hmm. moving backwards, but for me it is moving forward, <laughs> if you can understand where I'm coming from. I wouldn't have, I suppose, appreciated, I don't particularly, I wouldn't have ever had a massive grow for Irish music. I respect and kind of... And, and for, Irish for Irish traditional music. music. Yeah, but, um, and it's there. You can, if you're living in East Clare, you can, it's there. And, and in your family. You, in your family, you can appreciate it. You, of course you appreciate it. Mm. But um, I was just struck this year, um, and we know him because he's, he's there beside us, Martin Hayes' um, autobiography, The Shared um, Notes. notes yeah. And I was just reading that over Christmas. It, was one, it, it happens occasionally. You take up a book and you just don't put it down. You mm. kind of stay, o- yes. I stay overnight. You stay yes. overnight. That happened to me now, I think, on St. Stephen's Night with yes. Martin Hayes. I just kind of got stuck into it. it. I, just couldn't, yeah. I couldn't, couldn't yeah. leave it down. But he talked about Tommy Potts. And I, well, I knew the name, knew he was there in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know all the Irish musicians, but might be familiar with the work. We talked about Tommy Potts, but it was the way he talked about Tommy Potts and, and talking about Tommy Potts's music and this kind of almost, I'm hoping I'm getting this right, this inability to be able to play or work with anybody else, not in yes. a bad way. Yeah. Just he was so pure. Um, in what it was that he was trying to do musically. Mm. He just couldn't, um, he could only do it that way. And I just found that fascinating mm. that, um, you know, just the music we've listened to, it can integrate orchestrally. You could even get remixes of that. You can get mm. it done. And then you've got this musician that it's just the pure drop <laughs> to use Tony McMahon's. Almost in complete contrast to Martin Hayes. <laughs> Martin, Martin has gone on a journey musically. You know, he maybe started out, as he talked about in the book, up in his bathroom, yes. and it was hugely influenced by Tommy Potts, but has moved on with, 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 with the gloaming and with yeah. the different kind of quartets that he plays with now. Well, he's like a sponge. Well. He takes take up, take yeah. all. He, Martin talks about Icelandic bands like Seagull yeah. Ross yeah, influences yeah. and all that type of thing, yeah. you know. But it just this whole Tommy Potts thing, I just found fascinating. Yes, it just yeah. clicked. And I said, I'm going to listen to that stuff now. So I started listening to that over the winter um, mm. when you'd be out in the tractor with your headphones on. And I just thought it was, it just blew me away as well. It's just, it's, it's, there's nothing there. <laughs> so there's no you, ornamentation. No. And no. I think that's brilliant. In its own right, that's absolutely no. brilliant. And you, so you, you, you got your playlist on Spotify. When yeah, that's right, yeah. On there, there, there's only one, there's only kind of one recording, the Liffey Banks. It's the only sort of recording there is. I think there is some other work that was put together from RTE so Archives. There's only one. There's only one sort of album, if you want to call oh, it that. Album. Or, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's there, and it's actually thankfully on Spotify yeah. and it's got all these different tunes on it but I just picked that one the Liffey Banks and there's a lovely like I say it's it's stripped it's bare it's just the pure music it stands up on its own but I maybe I, I'm not a good ear for music but I get this sense at the very end there's a little twitch in the music where he's kind of saying well you can take that now or you can leave, leave it. it I don't really mind <laughs> you know, I, I, if you listen to the end of the song I think it's there I like to think it's there perhaps but I think this is just forward to that brilliant now. yeah Thank you. 
right, he ends with that. Well, I, there you are now. I think he's saying that <laughs> at the very end. Because I think, you know, even with his, with, with his music or the way he tried to, I think he deliberately... Um, regarded Irish music as something more than just, you know, to facilitate dance or to kind of just entertain. He felt, I think it was an art yeah. form in its own right. And I have to say, Paul, it's typical of your inquiring yeah, mind right. that you read this in a book. Yeah. You well, read about him and then you went off to... Yeah. to well, to in fairness, Martin Hayes, in, in, know, he's, he's yeah. down there and you, know, yeah. you, can, you can follow the... You can follow yeah. the... Um, you can follow... You can paint by numbers after that. Just, that was a great journey this spring. <laughs> yes. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. That Tommy Potts this spring, oh, yeah. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. So... What will you be listening to on your tractor next? <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> the next winter, winter is a great time, yeah, actually, when you're yeah, in the tractor. Sure. Winter is a great time. Yeah. You're up and down to Killinane, actually, yeah. here on the road. It's a great time to listen to music. Do you have special headphones yeah. so you don't hear them? Yeah, yeah, yeah good, good headphones. And I find that, I find it really good, actually. I find it a good time to listen. Even if you're working late at night, it's a really good time to listen to music, I yeah, find. Yeah. It's a really good and time podcasts, to listen to music. And podcasts, as well. Yeah, yeah and podcasts, yeah. as well. It's a good time. So it's a good what's time. your final choice, Paul? Yeah, I suppose my final choice. And again, I'm going back to go forwards I suppose it's it's um, we lost a, a, a very influential for me I suppose and for a lot of people a very influential musician just a month ago Cahill Coughlin um, he would have been involved with a famous band from the 80s again or a famous Irish band a Cork band and those Cork people yes. always liked to make sure that they had their muscles flexed Micro Disney and laterally then with a band called the Fatima Mansions had continued to work loads of projects right up to his death which is just about six weeks ago or eight, eight weeks ago um, but he did um, a reunion tour. They were a great band, Micro Disney, in the 80s. Himself and Sean O'Hagan, they were two musicians. And they had that kind of cork chip on their shoulder, yeah. we're the best in the world thing. And they were, in a lot of ways, the best in the world. Um, but they broke up. But they did a reunion tour in 2019. Um, and everybody kind of wanted to go and see them. Uh, it was impossible to get tickets. Um, but they did the tour. And there's a little bit of footage. It was a friend of mine sent this on to me. He had tickets. He went to see it in 2019 in Dublin, not in Cork. He saw him in Dublin, in Whelan's. And he's just said, well, the, the night he died, we were just texting over and back or WhatsApping over and back and we we're looking at different lyrics and different songs and things. He says, listen, he says, this made the hair stand on, my he on, on, on the back of my neck at the end of his gig in Micro Disney in, um, in Whelan's there in three years ago. And it was um, a song called The Night. And it wasn't their own song, Frankie. Frankie Valley. It was Frankie Valley, mm. yeah, exactly. It's a mm. Frankie Valley song. It's a great song. Yeah, it's a great song. It's a brilliant song. Yeah. But Cahill Coughlin and Sean O'Hagan decided to do this. Now, they split up in 1990 or so. Cahill Coughlin went down the road of Fatima Mansions, which is kind of heavy, heavy metal y kind of a hard music. Sean O'Hagan uh, went down the road of the High Lamas, which is almost like kind of a Brian Wilson, Beach Boys type mm. of music. But there's a beautiful, now we won't get it here because um, it, it's radio and we don't have pictures, but there's a lovely YouTube video of this song being played um, as an encore at that. Micro Disney gig in Dublin back in 2019 and Sean O'Hagan you can see them they're both totally into this song it's somebody else's song it's Frankie Valley's song but they're mm. totally into it Sean O'Hagan is chopping the guitar he's using his hand to time himself as he's singing Cahill Coughlin is timing with a tambourine he's really into the song as well and it's what they say at the start it's what Cahill Coughlin says at the start you know he said, and you wouldn't associate if you knew the Fatima Mansions or Micro mm. Disney you'd say Frankie Valley. no, it's not no. Going, this is not right this, this, isn't, this isn't going to work you're not going to yeah. put them together but he, he makes the point and the specific thing he says in the fullness of time we came to appreciate the music of Frankie Valley. I just felt that in the fullness of time we come to appreciate so many genres of music we might poo poo at them or laugh at them or not be influenced by them at one stage but if we take a bit of time to go back and have a look at them we see some kind of things that kind of go wow so it's, it's, I just tell it was, I suppose it's poignant in that the man has died yes. but that he's in the fullness of time we came to appreciate 
um, The Night by uh, Frankie Valli. So I just think it's a nice piece. I went to a show at the Arcadia Ballroom in Cork that was promoted by Elvira Butler and Salina Lovich singing this song. Me and Sean have always had a great liking for it and in the fullness of time a great respect for Frankie Valli and Bob Gaudio and all those guys. Um, so this is that song. Um, and this is called The Night. just leaves me with having to say thank you so much Paul Paul Bugler for joining me on this uh, episode of Soundtrack for My Life um, which was recorded in July 2022 and I have loved your choices and I've loved the, the, the stories that go with them and I'm thinking of the, the From the Pie record player <laughs> through to Croke Park and all the places that you went to and it's just been a lovely journey with you. Thank you so much, Paul. Oh, you're very welcome, Carly. I enjoyed it. It's a great show. I enjoy it.